Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Spirited Actor Podcast with me, Tracy Moore. I was a casting director for film and TV and commercials for over 30 years. I transitioned to a celebrity acting coach after I cast a film, New Jersey Drive, with executive producer Spike Lee and director Nick Gomez. I auditioned every rapper from Biggie Smalls to Tupac. And I realized that rappers and musical artists, they needed help transitioning to acting. My clients consist of musical artists from Buster Rhymes to Eve, Missy Elliott, Angela Yee from The Breakfast Club, and Vanessa Simmons, to name a few. I also coach sports stars and host as well. I feel I have the best of both worlds. As a casting director, I know exactly what they're looking for. And as an acting coach, I can coach you to be remembered in that room. Now, I know. I know actors want to get the job. I get that. But being remembered by a casting director, that is powerful. And now it's time for meditation of the day. Though I am not naturally honest, I am so sometimes by chance. William Shakespeare. I used to have a big problem being honest with others about how I felt. This problem developed in my childhood because I was the kid who people enjoyed making fun of. I wore a size 10 shoe in third grade and I was 5'6". In a strange way, I became popular. Instead of letting them know the pain inside of me, I went along with them and thought of myself as a joke. As I grew older, I realized how important it is to be honest with yourself. If you don't, you will allow pain and anger to make a home in your heart, and they don't make good company. Today, I will learn to be honest with myself and express my true feelings so I can learn to live in freedom. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, 
I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Welcome to the Spirited Actor podcast with me, Tracy Moore. And I can't even tell you how, um, I always tell you how excited I am with my guests. Um, And today is no exception. And so I just want you all to put your hands together for my dear friend and director extraordinaire, Michael Boogie Pickney. Yay, Michael. I'm having some technical difficulties with my phone right now. Do you guys see me good? (laughs) You guys see me? Okay, good. All right. Yay. I see you, Boogie. So, Boogie, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I, I wanted you on the show for so many reasons because, ladies and gentlemen, we go way back. Wait, don't um, tell them how far back. You know. I won't tell them. I don't, just don't be to know. Was it a commercial? Huh? Yeah, it, was a, it was a spike commercial, I think, was okay. the first time. That's all. I was going to just yeah. say <laughs> the project. I wasn't going to say the year, nothing. Okay. Because <laughs> we look good. You know, black don't crack. <laughs> I'm just saying. We have, and as you can tell, with our banter, we've known each other for quite some time. And yeah. I do want to say this about you, Boogie. One thing that I've always admired, um, I met Boogie um, doing a Spike Lee commercial, and Boogie was working um, uh, at 40 Acres and a Mule. He was already implanted there when I came. I was freelancing. He was really working there, <laughs> right? And um, you have always, like, you know, there's so much pressure and energy on a set, and especially when you have a crew over 50. And Boogie, man, like, you maintain control. You maintain professionalism. And even when, you know, like, it would get a little tense sometimes, you have to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. use your yeah. voice. Rooster. Even when you... Right. But even when you did that, Boogie, it it, it was digestible because, mm-hmm. you know, growing mm-hmm. up in this business, because right. Boogie right. was when I met him, he was a second AD, second assistant director for actors out there who don't know the terminology. And um, he rose. So we're going to talk about his career. But there's just a certain way you can handle people. And I just always respected the way you handled people and especially mm-hmm. I dealt with extras casting right. all of those extras. Right. right. And we know the history of that and how the AD department sometimes unfortunately deal with actors and background actors. Right. You know, as if they're not human. So that, that was oh. always something for me, you know, everybody, you know, was important to the set from the bottom, and- from the top to the bottom, you know, that was just my, um, you know, my, my, my way of looking at things. So that's how I approached it. Well, and I think that that was important. You said um, teach treating them like humans, because when I was on New York Undercover, um, extras were addressed as skins. Mm, that was the right. first time and I ever heard that. And that's the term they use for the, right, the, the paper that their names are on is called skins, which is, I yes. never knew where it came from. Wow. That was, I was like, you know, because I was like, oh, where do you want my actors? And they're like, the skins can go over there. I'm like, oh my God, you know? So one of the things that um, I also 
want um, actors to understand is the power that ADs have, because as a second AD, um, you know, you have a lot of jobs, but I know one specifically, my relationship with you was making sure that the actors were in place for the day of the shoot, all of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes a director may need someone that has not been cast. Right. Right. Oh yeah. He's good for that. (laughs) And they go to the, the first assistant director will communicate that to you. And it's your job. If you could just explain to actors, you know, because you know how actors are, Oh, it's just extra work. Oh, it's not important, but you can tell them the importance of it. I mean, you know, because sometimes some, some, doing background extra work has led to principal work. You know, if you have a right look, if you, you know, sometimes things are spontaneous. Sometimes people have a very distinct look that they want to kind of position or place, you know, so it's it's a living, breathing animal when you're shooting. So, you know, you got to be present at every moment because things can change. And you, you know, I think actors need to really look at the set and really understand what's going on, the moving pieces of it, because they are integral part of it. They're not just a prop. You know, so you can you can take advantage of that, you know, and right. it's a collaborative thing with, with right. the director and with the AD. So if you're present, sometimes your presence could be felt. Somebody else could feel that presence and, and gravitate to you. And then all of a sudden you got upgraded to be a principal. That's great. That's an important. I used to stress to actors on New York Undercover, don't bring your, you know, Joan Collins novels, you know, like, you right. know, because, you know, right. we didn't have back then we didn't have iPhones. So, right. you know, actors right. were doing puzzles on set. Right. And I'm like, you guys, right. every set is the same. The protocol is and the process is the same. The crew right. just shifts. So understand what that template is, understand the relationship between the ADs and, you know, um, how you can get upgraded on a set. Um, What were some of the in in situations where you as an um, an AD did upgrade actors? What was it specifically that you were looking for besides actors being present that drew you to them and said, you know what, let's grab this person to bump into Denzel Washington? I mean, you know, some, you know, when, when the background actor is, understands that they're an actor, you know, some background actors, they really focus on the background as opposed to the actors. Some background actors are actors. You know, they're actors. They move like actors. The attention, they pay attention like actors. They'll hit a mark like an actor. They'll do a background action the same every time. Wow. You know, they'll be present. They're, they're paying attention and they they look and see what's needed mm-hmm. before you have to tell them, right. you know, and that's who you want to work with. You want to work with people that could speak shorthand with you because there's not a lot of time, that's you right. know, so just be present and be collaborative. Be, you know, see, see if you see a need, you know, and ask questions. Hey, do, mm-hmm. do, should I go? Th-? You know what I'm saying? Just be communicative and understand that, you know, we all, we all, we don't know it all as ADs. You know, we listen to the director, we listen to the DP. There's all this noise going on. We need as much help as we can get. And if the background actor has a great idea or can do something to make our job easier, we're going to remember them. And we're going to, and if if there's somebody that could be upgraded, they're the first person that we're going to go to. Wow. You know? So Boogie, can you share with our audience, like, um, tell us how your journey began um, and, and how um, you, your work at 40 acres and everywhere. Tell us what, what you've been up to. Many moons ago. Yeah, I started out <laughs> yeah, as, a, okay. as an intern, yeah. you know, on a spike job. You know, I started mm-hmm. out as an intern and rose up the ranks through production assistant, you know, for many years, you know, and then transitioned into um, being an assistant director and joining the director's guild with, with you know, director and the ADs are all part of the same guild. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I was ADing, I was always writing and, and directing on the side anyway, so then I was able to kind of transition out of ADing to directing because what, what I thought when I first started was being an AD, next up was being a director, but that's not how it works. Typically, mm. assistant directors don't become directors because oh. assistant directing position is such a logistical managerial position. A lot of producers and, and network execs don't see ADs as a, a creative position. It's not a creative mm. position. It's wow. easier for a script supervisor or a director of photography to move into the directing position before an AD because an AD is, is in their mind is strictly logistical, you know, so they don't, they don't oh. understand that they also can have a creative vision. So I, that's what I thought in the beginning. I said, oh, I'll be an assistant director. 
And then I'd be a director. And it was like, no, that's not how it typically works. Wow. You know, you want to direct, you know, because mm-hmm. it, so it's different tracks, you know, but I, I, thank God I was directing while I was AD. I was writing and directing. So that was when I got to use what I was learning that I didn't even know that I learned being on set, wow. whether on with Spike or with Lee Daniels on pressure. It's like you just yeah. taking information and then until you apply, you didn't even know that you have it. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I've seen that. I know how, you know, say be, because you've been doing it for so many years, you've seen it done. Right. That it's just it's just instinct after a while, right? You know. And but, so while you were writing, you wrote your first film. Let's yeah. talk about that. <laughs> well, my first feature, you know, your I was feature film. Short, yes. Yeah, I was writing short films leading up to that. You right. Know? And then I wrote right. my first feature film. You nobody says somebody kills you. Um, right. And I was working on Inside Man. I finished the script. I was working on Inside Man as a second AD, and uh, Detective Neil Carter, rest in rest in peace. He mm-hmm. just passed. Um, oh, last wow. year, he was a technical advisor. He was a homicide detective that was, uh, he was tasked with teaching Denzel how to be a detective, basically, how to be oh, him. Wow. So, and I gave to Detective Neil the script, and I was like, hey, just read this. I want to make sure my detective verbiage is great. He read it. He's like, I love it. I love the script. I want to help you get it made. And we raised the money, and that's how it happened, you know. And Spike came on to EPA, and it just, you know, and that's, that's how that, that happened. You know, that feature journey. You know, you're doing your first feature. You have no idea what's going to happen. And hold on, uh, (laughs) audience, let me just say, Uh because there's some humility here. Michael K. Williams was in this as the star. So, you know, I mean, I'm just saying. Nashawn Curse. Yes. Melito McCullen, you know. Daniel McDaniel is is a a great cast, you know. We didn't have a ton of money, but it was a great cast. And it it was my first feature. I'm still working on the second one. The first one is always the hardest, you know, right. and coming from the, the world that I came from unions and big movies and having to yeah. kind of skim down, yeah. you know, was, was tough, you know, just because unions, I'm a DGA, we got um, DGA, um, we got SAG people, we got IOTC union, you know, say, so the budget yeah. kind of, you know, gets used up really quickly, you know? Yeah. So that's why I'm, I'm a lot meaner, leaner and meaner now mm. after that, that well, experience. Right. And, and, and working on such amazing films, he just, he mentioned right. inside man. Um, you worked on, um, Malcolm. I'm best man. Precious. Best the first man. best man. I was yeah. an additional, additional second, second. That's when I first joined the, the, the guild, you know, around that time. And I, I didn't work with you on that, but I coached Monica Calhoun on mm. best man. Mm. Um, but, you know, I mean, like, I always encourage, I don't even encourage, I stress my listeners to go to imdb.com and to um, do their due diligence on, right. you know, who you are. Um, in terms of, I have so many questions, but I want to <laughs> zoom in. I do, because, like, you, okay. <laughs> you, there's just so much, you guys. Please go to imdb.com and look at his credits. Um, because we. I want to talk about, like, you know, the Denzel Washington and working with such a great actor. And what is it that, um, cause I, I've never worked with Denzel before. And, um, I, I've had the pleasure of working with the Viola Davis. Mm. So what is whew, in the beginning of her, <laughs> what is, what, what do you walk away with on a set? What do you learn while watching such a phenomenal actor i mean it's, it's crazy you know i worked on he got game with denzel yes. first time mm-hmm. and then inside man but what i walk away is that you know his preparation that he's always ready he can he he turns it on mm-hmm. so quickly you know laughing and talking in one minute and when you're ready he's re- it's like so quick it's so so much shorthand is so spot on he, he just so present and intentional that right. it's like he's like a surgeon Wow. He's like a surgeon, and it's like it's kind of like when you you watching a ball player just play, and they just they move with such right. grace, you know. And it's and it's easy, you know. He people are yelling his name, hey, come run, making hugs, turn around, boom, nail the scene. It's like it's it's he can just turn it on, and it's um, and it, he's just such a given spirit, you know. Mm-hmm. It doesn't he'll make a minute, he'll make a minute to greet somebody. He'll make a minute. He's wow. so humble. And it's wow. so seamless. It's just kind of like, you know, and I've worked with actors that are not as successful, that aren't mm-hmm. as giving, 
and don't have a bigger heart. And you, you know, and you, you're like, he has a big, such a big heart and he's so giving and he's so amazing, you know, and he doesn't have to be, he's Denzel. Right. But he is, right. you know, so it's just, it, 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 from what I got, it just, it made me step up my game to know that, okay, I can be who I am. I mm. can be boogie. I could be giving. I don't have to be someone else. I could be right. however I am and excel and do it how I do it and be successful. Right. I don't have to imitate someone, you know, right. cause, and, and if I'm a giving person, if I'm a soft spoken person, whatever that is, I can be me and be right. successful. You know, right. so that's what I got from it because it was just, it was unlike any other actor because the room changed when he walked in it. Right. You know. Well, I can honestly say that, I mean, you've been consistent. You, you are, when I met you, I felt like, and still feel like you've always been yourself, but that's what I have respected about your work. Even, like I said, like, I mean, I've worked with yellers. I came in this industry right. with. Me too, me too. Yellers. <laughs> right, right. What? And right. so to work with someone who still, you know, um, who engages with you one as a, a human being, but who, you know, you have that power and force and assertiveness, but you don't, you just don't have to yell, right. <laughs> you know, you right. don't, you get right. it. Right. Um, and you know what, just that. to say the AD, I worked with an AD called named Joe Reedy. I was a mm-hmm. PA. I was an additional PA on this film called Sleepers with Brad Pitt. I was Love that film. My, my job was to be on a roof and let them know when helicopters are coming. And no helicopter coming, we can shoot. When helicopter, because we're, we're near a heliport. And okay. he was the most soft-spoken. And he, he ADs for all Scorsese films. Okay. You know, Casino. He was the most humble and soft-spoken first AD. And I was amazed. I was just like, very gracious. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Let's oh, wow. I, I was amazed because I came from a world of screamers. I was like, this work, and there's 200 people on the crew. And yeah. that was when I was like, okay, I, you know, there's so many different ways to do it. You just have to be you in the midst of it. I agree you know, so. because I thought in coming into this business initially that that's what the process was. They're just right. yellers. And right. it wasn't until I was on um, Kiss of Death. And mm. I worked with the AD and her name was Marlene. I don't remember her last name, but same way, same way. And I was like, oh, wait, you don't have to yell on a Right. <laughs> you don't have Give to me, Let me tell you another out. story. I worked on, um, I forgot the name of the TV show, the TV show that came to New York from LA. And uh-huh. so I first did the five days in New York. And so we're shooting, we shot in the studio and the key grip came up to me one day um, and he's, his father was the key grip on the honeymooners. That's how long his lineage you went. Wow. And he told me, he loved me. He said, you know, the AD, I love how you AD because people don't understand that the AD's voice shouldn't be the loudest in the room. Because once the AD goes loud, everybody else goes louder. You know, and he wow. says he liked how I managed the room. And I just, you know, so it was just interesting. I was like, your dad was the key grip on honeymoon? I was like, what wow, the, what that's the hell? crazy. You know, so but that, was, that, was, that was funny when he told yeah. me. Yeah. You know. So in, in terms of um, your relationship with actors as a director, mm. you know, um, we're moving more and more out of the live auditions and, right. you know, we're on the self-tape. What advice can you give actors to stand out? you know, on those, because I mean, you know, I'm always honest with actors and if I'm getting, you know, 600 to 700 submissions per character and I got 10 characters. Right. Right. So I I mean, for me, it's it's almost the same as when they come in a room, just be present, just, you know, nothing matters, but that moment, you know, to me, I find actors to be so distracted, Mm. just, just so distracted. It's like you had, you worked your whole life, you paid, money for headshots to take classes off of this three minutes mm. and you can't shut the world off for three minutes. Wow. And I find myself, you know, watching self tapes and not, and they're not even there. They're auditioning, but they're not even there. You know? right. So to me, just be present, just be intentional about how present right. you are and just really connect with the person that's going to be on the other side of that um, self tape because somebody's going to be watching it. Right. You know, and, 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 and really give, and become something and get and give up yourself. Just give up yourself and stop being in control. They just want to control everything. And they don't realize, you know, sometimes you trying to control everything. You don't realize some people, how many people can see that you're not in control. 
mm. you know, and really just be vulnerable and just, you know, show, show your passion, show your love for this, mm. you know, and just kind of, you know, just give it your all, you know, not just enough that you think is good enough. Give it your all. Right. And, you know, I'm so surprised. Well, okay. Let me just say this. I'm surprised that you're saying this because are we talking about a certain generation? You know, yes, are we talking? Yes, I am. Okay. We are. All right. Can we you are. speak on that? Yeah. Because, you know, there's some actors that, you know, of an older, older generation that are seasoned, that are theater actors that are just, they get it. It's like, it's like Denzel. It's second nature. They just, they know how to turn it on. But this generation, a newer generation, they don't really know how to turn it on. It's kind of like, you know, Alan Iverson back in the days where it's kind of like mm-hmm. he didn't want to practice, you know, but you have to practice like you're playing in the game. Right. You're, and they think that they can turn, you ain't there yet to be able to turn it on. You know, if you're doing a self tape in 10 minutes, you better be getting ready for it in a half hour. You know, you got to get ready for the game. Don't just turn the camera on and now you're ready. You're not, you know, so right. I think this generation thinks that they're ready when they're not ready. You know, they have to, you have to practice and you have to turn it on before it's turned on. So those are type of, those are, that's information that these actors would get in classes. Do you stress classes, private sessions? Yeah, I mean, whatever yeah. you can afford. Classes, private sessions, mm-hmm. you know. I remember Denzel always, have, always having, the, having the coach have, you know what I'm saying? Sharpening, yeah. sharpening, sharpening. Right. Michael Jordan in the gym shooting free throws after winning four rings. It's like, like right. you, you never stop training. Right. You never stop training. You know, so unless, until, unless, until you get out of the business, you know, so if you can afford it, train and get ready. You, what they say, you get ready, you, you stay ready so you don't got to get ready. You, you be ready. Right. Right. I, you know. I just feel like there is, in my experience um, within, I would say the last six to 10 years, there's this arrogance in yeah. actors. And yeah. first of all, they don't do their due diligence. Right. And so I'm not asking for a parade or any type of accolades, but I do (laughs) want you to be familiar with my credits and and what I have accomplished. And I, and as a casting director, I would be so, you know, I I had to wean myself, but I would be insulted by the fact that the actors didn't even take the time to research the director, you know? So do you find that there is this, arrogance, this attitude of immediate gratification that I don't have to work as hard. Yeah, because they, you know, the, the, the thing is when we came up, we had to really, in order to get the knowledge, we had to learn it. Right. I couldn't Google how to be a peer. I had to, I had to be in a field and I had to learn the stuff real time. That's right. Now, That's you know, right. the information is so available. They think that they know it. There's no substitute for experience. There's exactly, none. you know, so, you know, you don't know everything. You know, so there's real life experience and then the book and Google experience, you know, so they and, and they don't equate. They're not equal, you know. Right. So just because, you know, you know, some of the verbiage or you, you know, what I'm saying you, you just really have to respect. They need to respect the people that came before them and respect the work, you know, okay. um, and, and that's the IMDB and, and, and people's journey. You have to respect that that's work right. because, you know, and they and they eventually get it, you know, but we want them to get it sooner. Mm-hmm. You know, they get it once they really like, wow, this isn't easy, you know, but they have to, you know, it's important that, that, that they understand that, you know, that this isn't easy and that right. it takes time right? and it ain't going to happen tomorrow. And, and right. in fact, you don't really even want it to happen tomorrow. It's kind of right. like, you know, the journey, you know, the, the, the bulk of the bulk of it is the journey. The destination is going to be like that's, that, that's you know, right. so enjoy this journey is, is a, is a, is a long journey, but I wouldn't, I would. I wouldn't rather do any other journey, but this, you know, and that's just what it is. It's a beautiful journey. So enjoy it. That's not focusing on where you trying to get, because once you get there, you're going to be trying to get somewhere else. Exactly. Oh, such great jewels. You guys, I pray that you've documented this in some way, write it down, record it. Um, Boogie, we know what work ethic is about. You know, um, Mm -hmm. I know I have, and I'm sure your experience Excuse me. I've been on a set for 24 hours, mm. literally a video, a music <laughs> right. video set, right? I'm a little older than Boogie. So on a music video set Man. with Lionel Martin. Do you those, remember those Lionel days, Martin? Yeah, classic concept. 
There you go. Okay. I used to cast in classes. So I'm saying that to say that when I speak to this generation about work ethic, you know how you say, oh, I don't want to sound like my parents, but there's a part of me that feels like I sound like my parents, but it's like, I know what it's like to stand next to a propane heater in negative 15 degree weather and yeah. Chicago shooting Ooh. exterior barbershop on the 13th hour with Tim Store. Mm. But if you say to these kids, you know, well, listen, we're going to have to simulate winter in summer. So you're going to wait, I have to wear a Parker. How many? I- right. Wait, how right. do you? This, this 23? Yeah. Yeah. 23? But I mean, and that that's just, that's just, you know, I feel like um, that's just what it is. You know, yeah. they can't really, you know, we, we came up in another time. You we know, did. I, I remember standing on the corner. I worked on the film. I forgot the name of the, the Devil's Advocate. I was an additional PA. Love the Devil's Advocate. I was an additional PA starting out. And wow. the AD was a screamer. And, and call, call time was 6 a.m. The PAs had to be on set at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. On the corners that they were locking up. And the truck didn't even arrive yet. Wow. In the dark. On the corner. <laughs> standing no. there. Yeah. No bag, nothing in your hand. But like, it was like, it was real deal. But it, it builds character. I mean, that's kind right. of abuse now. And the thing is, that is a different time overall. So nobody's doing 24 hours. Nobody's going to even be doing 14 hours anymore, right. in my opinion. After right. COVID, all the, yeah. all the calls that came from the DGA is like, yeah. a lot of things going to have to change. You know, so that's, that's the new world. And we got to relearn what we've learned, you know, and then pivot. So um, that's actually a great segue because um, actors are going to have to make some major adjustments. I have mm-hmm. a friend who I spoke to the other day and said that she was interviewed as an intimacy coordinator. That's mm, a new job that right. they're going to have, yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah. Um, what, what are some of the changes that maybe you can speak about now that actors can start to, mentally prepare for yeah i mean you know some of the protocols they're talking about is you know everybody that's not on camera wearing masks you know just the um, ppe that's available on set a couple of like you said a couple of new crew positions you know that are paying attention to self-distancing you know all the prepackaged food you know you already talked about the auditioning remotely you know um and the, the rehearsals remotely you know, wow. just imagine Zoom rehearsals, you know. So, oh, my God. And, right. And then, you know, just having, you know, on-site departments where the hair, makeup, and wardrobe never come to set. And, you know what I'm saying, because they it just, and then when act, if three actors come on a set, three crew members leaving the set. It's just, it's just this kind of Broke thing me. that they wow. have to move, you know, where you, everybody, and, and the monitors, director, like three monitors, one for the director, one for the script supervisor and one for the producers. Like never, you remember the days with so video, video village is gone. No, the video village is, you know, is going to be social distance, and there's nobody just, other than those three people, the DP, the the, the director. But you remember those days? It'd be twenty people yeah. on the monitor looking. Those well, days that's work. where I mean, as an acting coach, that's where I am. I'm in that. You, well, you're going to, and they might have. They talked about having remote, like say bigger films, like if there's a trailer with. You know where where you can watch Video Village. So Video Village is going to be kind of transmitted places. Uh, so you need to see it. It's going to be where you can have like it in a your feed, own. right? You know. So they and and all of this stuff is going to cost more money, budgetary wise. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it might be shorter hours. Yeah. yeah. So now these actors better know that they better hit it. There ain't no time to be flubbing lines. Nope. and Coming unprepared. We don't nope. got a lot of time. So no. they're going to cut the number of hours that that we're going to shoot eventually because. You know, the longer people stay around each other, the, the higher the risk of of, right. um, of contamination. Virus. So they don't want, right. and the thing is, with, what they also said for that is that after the 14, after a certain number of hours, your resistance is, is weaker. So you yeah. set for 16 hours, your resistance is weak. So, so is all of these things that's going to affect, yeah. so we have to be leaner, we have to be tighter, we have to be more intentional and laughing. Hey, how you doing? Just, you go there and you do your business. Right. And you be about it and that's it. You know, well, so it's a lot more right serious about, now. No, you're right about the hours because you know, right. barbershop. I did 16 hours, 16 days, and yeah, you your body right. is beat down. Yeah, no. yeah, it's diminishing returns, and then what, yeah. what happens? Your your your, your immune system is, is jacked yeah. up. So yeah, so they so they're gonna be shorter day, shorter page count days. So it's not gonna be shooting seven pages. If you can't do it in ten hours, 
all this coverage. Maybe it's two cameras shooting all the time. It just, you know, yeah. nobody wants to spend as much time as we used to spend on set anymore. Nobody wow. does. Because wow. there's a lot of people. So they want to get in. Yeah, I don't even, I'm not used, I, I'm used to being on cruise 100 and up. I mean, you know, 50 right. people, that's a right. small crew, but um, I don't know a crew that's less than 200. So, um, you know, uh, we, Boogie, I'm going to invite you back on because <laughs> okay. I told you 28 minutes was going to fly oh, by yeah, again. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know. I'm getting warning signs. I did want to make a, I did want to give clarity to um, Video Village um, for actors who don't know. That is the space in which the director, where you see the director chairs for the director, right. the DP, right. the script supervisor, all of the producers, writers. Right. Right. It's sort of this, you know, we we're, we huddle around the monitor. I'm usually right. um, sitting on an Apple box in front of the monitor, <laughs> right. uh, trying to get distance. <laughs> but they always, they're very gracious on set and they right. give me a director's chair. So that's what right. Video Village. I just want you in, I got a minute left. If you could just give actors what is the best advice because you've given them some amazing nuggets. What is your best advice that you want to give them? I mean, I would say just continue to work and stay sharp. We're going to come out of this. You know, are you going to come out of this better and sharper or not? You know, so continue. Mm-hmm. Now you got time to get that monologue tight. You got time to work on stuff because once things open back up or things whether get back to whatever normal we find that time is lost so use this time wisely you know read some scripts read whatever if you want to write just this just utilize this time you know tape yourself and critique yourself and you know just just do that work you know that you always wanted to do in this time and sharpen your tools wow it was an excellent 28 minutes I, i'm holding on to all of <laughs> I want you guys to put your hands together for a director extraordinaire, Mr. Michael Boogie Pinkney. Thank you for having me. Thank Thank you you so much for coming. I really, really am grateful to have you here. So um, we'll be back on the Spirited Actor podcast with, you know, my favorite segment, Class in Session. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
take good care, and we'll see you there. Welcome back to the Spirited Actor Podcast with me, Tracy Moore, and we are still blessed to have Michael Boogie Pinkney with us, director extraordinaire. Uh, yeah, we're applauding him. Woo, he gave us some great nuggets, man. I, I feel like I need to just saturate my mind with all that he gave us today. So embrace it, actors. Um, I have Miss Jaleesa Capri, Spirit Actor Alumni, on with us. Hey. So hey. <laughs> I know my listeners know that, you know, this is my favorite segment to highlight Spirit Actor Alumni give them a platform and opportunity for our guests to see their talent and give constructive criticism. So Jalisa, you can tell us the title of the monologue. And then whenever you're ready, um, we still have boogie. Um, it's called nuts. And so I'll just get, I'll get right into it. Okay. When I was a little girl, I used to say, I love you to the moon and down again around the world and back again. And she used to say to me, I love you to the sun and down again, around the stars and back again. And I used to think, wow, <laughs> I love mama and mama loves me. What could go wrong? What went wrong, mama? I love you and you love me. What went wrong? You see, I, I know she loves me and I love her. So what? So what? She's over there and I'm over here. She hates me because of the things that I've done to her. And I hate her. Because of the things that she's done to me. See, <laughs> you stand up there asking, do you love your daughter? And then they say yes. And you think you've asked something real and they think they've said something real. You think because you tossed the love around like a Frisbee that we're all supposed to get all runny. No. Something happens to some people. Sometimes they love you so much, they stop noticing you're there because they're too busy loving you. They love you so much, your love is like a gun and they just keep firing it straight into your head. I mean, they love you so much, you go straight into a hospital. <laughs> Mama, I know that you love me. The one thing you know when you grow up, the love is too much. It's too much and not enough. <laughs> Scene? Okay. Yeah. All right. So it was a little choppy for me. I don't know how it was for Boogie. Okay. It was a little, a little, just a little choppy. Okay. You know, for me also, but, um, you know. My connection said unstable on the thing across the screen. So, yep, that's fun. But, you know, <laughs> I got it. I got, I got it, though. He's a professional. <laughs> that was an interesting monologue um it was an interesting monologue who are you talking to were you talking to someone or were you so uh she's on a stand talking to her mothers across and then she's trying to convince them that she's not crazy even though she's been brought to a crazy house and her mother is the impetus for a lot of the stuff that's gone on in her life okay. and so her mother is there she's confronting her but she's also trying to let them know let me out of this face i'm not really crazy mm -hmm. okay okay interesting because i was trying to gauge you and know, i knew it was a lot going on mm -hmm. you know so i'm you know trying to follow the story which which i feel like you know sometimes i feel like actors it's just like kind of like those singing shows it was like oh better song selection sometimes i feel like actors pick the wrong monologue that because mm -hmm. for me it kind of mm -hmm. because there were so many moving pieces it kind of distracted mm -hmm. me a little because i'm trying to follow the story versus zeroing in on, on your acting ability. Gotcha. You know, I found myself kind of like getting the gauge because it was, a, it, it was kind of dense, you know, the story, the story of the monologue. You know what I'm saying? That's just, that's just what I found myself trying to really follow and, and make sense of the story. Um, and that took too much of my attention. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever experienced that, Tracy. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we don't see a lot of monologues, but I think that um, um, this monologue is from the film Nuts. Barbara Streisand um, was the one that was uh, in the stand. And um, I think for me, it was more of 
the jerkiness because um, I do know the monologue, so I can't really, I don't count. Right. Um, but, you know, one of the things that it is going to be challenging, in my opinion, is the technology because we're all going to be on right. it when right. we get back in. Right. So right. I don't know how that's going to be because casting directors are saying to me now that most of the auditions are going to be Zoom. Callbacks are going to be Zoom. Winsome Sinclair was on and she said that she did a Zoom callback with a director. So, you know, we are going to experience some of these glitches. Um, you know, prayerfully, you know, you, you'll get another chance to do it again. But mm -hmm. that's something that I think is really going to have to be a discussion because right. Zoom is not flawless unless there's another right. platform that is created specifically right. for this. Th that's a good idea for something, some technology to come from casting directors for it because, you know, Zoom is all we got. That's what everybody has. So, And everybody's on it. Everybody's been on it since we've been down and even before that. But I think that there needs, because I really feel like the challenge is going to be, um, the challenge is really going to be, you know, the, the fluency that you have, of course, in the live audition, right. you know, right. and being able to, and then you freeze, you know, when you were talking right. about rehearsal, I watched a rehearsal a couple of weeks ago and it was great, mm -hmm. but then it was freezing and, right. you know, that right. causes things. So we're going to have right. to work out those glitches, but, you know, overall, like I, I, I love this platform to be able to do this. You know, mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. you know her from the neighborhood. You may not know her talent, but I do. I came to the showcase. I saw her. She, yeah, you yeah, know. you did. I was going <laughs> to say that. Talking I was going to tell that. you he saw so, you. are you sitting or standing? I am sitting um, okay. because I was just short. It's a sitting we'll, monologue. Oh, okay. Oh, is it sitting monologue? Okay. It's, she's sitting in a, in a witness stand. Oh, uh, see, I guess, yeah. you know, the thing I, for me, a lot of times um, the monologues that have a lot of components from films to help it along if you don't have it you know the witness you know what i'm saying so it's like because now we it's hard for for me as a viewer to wit to visualize what the world is so yeah. if you pick a monologue that you know you're doing things based you know uh creatively and as, as for the monologue based on the context but i don't know the context i'm not going to mm. really get it so i right. you know so whether it's good or bad, it's kind of like I'm, I'm kind of lost in the context of where, you know, so, so for me, I find, you know, monologues that work best are ones that don't, that kind of are standalone. You know, if you re you know, mm. you're familiar with the film Nuts, and you know what I'm saying? If you aren't familiar right. with something, you're, you're not going to be as moved. You know, it's kind of like right. a song. People sing a song on, oh, I really love that song. Whether they did a good job or not, I love that song. And that's the focus. Versus somebody that pick a, a bad song and right. your voice is amazing, and you're like, oh man, right. you know, the song wasn't great, the voice, right. was, you know what I'm saying? So it's hard to kind of separate and kind of decide wow. which is it. And if you're doing a self tape, you ain't, there ain't no time to figure out which is it. Right. Is next, you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of right. like really see, you know, step outside of what, what monologue you're doing to see if it makes, how will, how will the viewer right. see it? Not how you feel about it, because you probably like, oh, I love this monologue. But sometimes actors tend to make it more about them than anybody else. When it, it unfortunately it ain't about you when you're doing the um, audition. Right. It's about what you're giving to the person watching. Right. So, so that's, that would just be my note in terms of figuring out, is, is there a better monologue for, for me to see only your talent and not try to suck through with the context of what's going on? Okay. You know, so that's all I can focus on, you know. Okay. Wow, that's a great point. I never thought about it in that way. That's a great point. Thank, Thank you, you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. So, and I always no, ask, because, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I definitely want to have you come back on in class and session okay. and see a scene and okay. see the work. Okay. And yeah, because that's all original work as well. But okay, um, cool. everybody put your hands together and send virtual hugs to our guests. Mr. Michael Boogie Pinkney. Yay! <laughs> that was fierce. And we recorded this. That was fierce. <laughs> okay. So we will be back with the Spirited Actor Podcast with me, Tracy Moore, and I will be giving you love. 
And now it's time to give love. If you want more trust in your life, you have to be more trustworthy. If you want love in your life, you have to be of love. Whatever it is that you want in your life, you have to be of that. If you want people to trust your word and be of your word, you have to be of your word. Whatever it is that you want more of in your life, it starts with you. And it starts with your thoughts and it goes into your words and it manifests into what it is that you want. You must learn to trust your thoughts. You must learn to trust your words and you must learn to use the words that are going to manifest what it is that you want. If you want abundance, you can't speak of lack. If you want happiness, you can't speak of sadness. The things that you want, the things that you will manifest in your life are the things that you speak clearly and stay focused and hold that vision. Whatever it is that you want in your life, be of it. Thank you for joining us on the Spirited Actor Podcast with me, Tracy Moore. I look forward to our next Spirited Podcast. Thank you. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-course, and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's and what it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.